Welcome back to another edition of the Wits Up podcast. It is fantastic to see all of your friendly faces. Now, I am super excited. Well, I'm, let's be honest, I'm pretty much excited about most things uh, and particularly about all episodes here on the Wits Up podcast platform. But what excited me the most about this particular episode is, I mean, we had a bit of a no-name, <coughs> Chrissy Wellington, uh, but we actually recorded this episode live uh, so that our Patreon members could tune in live. Uh, we did this via video as well and could ask Chrissy any questions towards the end of the episode as well. So we thought that was a great way to be able to give back uh, to all of our members who support us. So thank you if you are a Wits Up Patreon member. Truly appreciate the support. Uh, and if you want to get involved with some of these future live podcast recordings, you do need to be a Wits Up Patreon member. Uh, you can just click the link in the description of the show notes. Uh, and for as little as five US dollars per month, you can sign up to be a member of ours and reap some of those benefits. Uh, so back to it, Chrissy Wellington. I mean, she's kind of, you know, the perfect guest. She's got so many stories, so many insights. Um, in and out of Lycra. Um, she's definitely one of those guests who we would love to get back on the podcast. I think we barely scratched the surface, uh, but you will definitely uh, get some great insights from, from the great Chrissy Wellington. So let's get stuck in. I don't know. How do you introduce someone like this woman? I'd like to use the word fierce. We're going to talk about that word in just a second. <laughs> But let's get her onto the screen. We all know who you're all waiting for, and it's definitely not me. Chrissy, my good friend, Wellington, welcome. <laughs> I, I struggle to look fierce. It was really, it was really, it was kind of ironic that I was challenging the fact that I wasn't included in a list of fiercest women, and I didn't even want to be seen as, as a fierce competitor. Um, Anyway, <laughs> fierce or otherwise, I'm here. <laughs> oh my goodness. But so I had this whole, and we're not going to bang on about this because I know you, you had a great cha chat with Helen about this very thing and I've spoken about it a lot on the Wits Up platform because I thought it was ridiculous and you and I have had a chat as well off, yeah. offline. But, and, and like, I think it's funny that you say, I don't, I don't kind of want to be known to be fierce, like I'm a nice person type of thing, but the whole video, they talked about, I think it was Natasha Badman being a smiling assassin and, uh, yeah, she she smiled a lot in the photos during races and everything. And even Brett said, maybe, do they, do they, did they not choose Chrissy because she is a really smiley, happy kind of person? And I was like, no, no, that doesn't fly because they specifically said Natasha is a smiling assassin and she was on the list. <laughs> yeah, it feels, it feels like such a trivial thing stuff you know with so many other really troubling things going on in the world the, the last thing that i wanted to be worried about was whether or not i was listed in you know a collective of of fierce women or otherwise um but yeah it it, it still mattered to me and as i said to helen those that might have listened to that podcast and I'll just repeat it here you know as a as a professional athlete you, you want to feel that you've had an impact and maybe had an impact that goes beyond your performance on the pitch and and you've done something that's resonated with others and and 
kind of meant something to the organization that effectively mm. manages our our sport and definitely runs the world championships and and to to be left out it just made me think actually i i didn't have an impact and that i'd i'd been forgotten and as an athlete that's the last thing i wanted because i i wanted to feel that i left a left a legacy um mm. but you know at the at the end of the day you don't do it for public acclaim you don't do it to be recognized in the top 10 list or be you know inducted into halls of fame however lovely that is um you do it because you love racing you love the sport you want to challenge yourself um and and you know for the friends and family that that matter most um but but still it would have been nice to have been included (laughs) (laughs) and but i mean i guess on top on top of that regardless of how fierce you were on the course you've used your platform um for so many different things outside of triathlon um outside of being a great athlete and I I feel like that's what's the most disappointing thing about all of that is that um sure it's not about the top 10 lists it's not about being you know um in record books or hall of fames or anything and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but for you, it's became so much more. Um, you just need to read the first three pages of your of your first book to know that you're so much more than someone who crossed the finishing line first. Yeah, and that's, I think, why it maybe impacted me the way mm. it did. It also came at a time that I'll freely acknowledge, I always find hard. Mm. You know, paradoxically, it gets easier as the further you get from, you know, your world championship victories. But it also gets harder because you're, you realise you're so much further away from the athlete that you were and the athlete that you were proud of, proud of being. So Mm. that it's still difficult. And I still find October hard, even though the race wasn't happening. It's, you know, it's still an anniversary of sorts mm. for me. And, and I kind of recollect and reminisce and, and, you know, talk about it with friends and, and family about the great times we had and connect actually with my Kona mum and dad um, <laughs> over, over FaceTime um, and talk, you know, just, just talk about old times. And so it is, it's quite a, a challenging time. So I always feel a little bit emotional mm. and, so I think it maybe came at a time there was, I guess, a perfect storm, you know, everything else going on in the world and yep. me reminiscing and feeling that I, you know, I'm about 80 because I can't even run for an hour anymore without it hurting. <laughs> feeling like my body's falling apart. So <laughs> I think it was just a culmination of things. And, and I, I do. I, Iron Man, for all its flaws, you still want to be recognised. You still want to be honoured. You still want to be listed. I mean, I don't want to be kind of front and centre. I don't expect that. Um, um, but I, it would have been nice to have been included. But yeah, to, to your point about having an impact, I remember when I um, first joined Brett Sutton's squad and I was finding it really challenging um just fitting in um finding my place within the sport putting it mildly um <laughs> I love that you've already and, gone here this was going to be one of my specific questions oh, was it? Oh, sorry, I 
time you're funding. Yeah, it's all about me. I'm really. It's all about me. Um, but I was finding it really hard, and to the point that I wanted to give up. For me, I, it just felt really selfish, which was the antithesis from my career, my previous career. But also, I just didn't know whether I'd I'd found my niche in triathlon. I I, I didn't yeah. necessarily feel that it was where I belonged. So I was saying all this to Brett and, and as many people will know, he said, you know, just wait, Chrissy, through your achievements on the pitch, you'll be able to achieve more out of it than you can ever imagined. And that kind of prophecy came true to some extent. Well, before I saw the fiercest competitor list, but I thought it had come <laughs> true in that I was able to have this, have this impact. Um, but it was very clever, actually, just thinking back to what he said, because he didn't, I didn't focus on this goal. He didn't say you are gonna win X, Y, and Z, and this should be your goal. He really tapped into my motive and my motive, one of my main motives was to use the sport for something more. So he's very clever in, in retrospect in the way he kind of encouraged me to understand why, why I was doing it, not just having this kind of, you know, grand, grand goal. Yeah. Do you think the the outpouring of love almost toppled, had to have toppled the, <laughs> had to, because it was ridiculous. My phone was lighting up um, how many people came, went into bat for you and needed you to know just not how fierce you were, but just how much of an impact you've had on their lives. Like I was reading through some of those um, tweets and Still to this day, you're having a massive impact on so many people. It was really humbling because I just live my day-to-day -day life as a, a very normal, normal person. And, and I very, very often forget the athlete I, I once, once was. And I, I, I maybe, I, I do forget that I'm still held in high regard by, by people. I, I almost think I have been superseded. And yeah, I've, <laughs> I, it was nice to know that maybe, you know, maybe I've had more of an impact and, and still do yeah. to, um, on, on people. But yeah, it was, it was, it was really, really, it was really, really humbling. And, um, it definitely softened the blow a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask, and, and I said to this, this to you before we uh, went live, we try not to actually talk too much about triathlon. Um, we want to get to know you a little bit better. Um, but obviously it's going to come up in conversation. Yeah. But one thing I'm interested in, because I've actually been at the finishing line uh, at quite a few events where you have um, – you know, been holding the finishing line tape or essentially like passing the baton on to the next person. Uh, and that's, I mean, at Challenge Roth, I've seen you do that. Mm. I'm pretty sure in Kona, I've got photos because I always like go over to you and take photos of your face because uh, mm. I find that story interesting watching, you know, the ex-champion, um, watching awe of other, other women doing incredible mm. things. What's going through your mind when... You know, you do see a Daniela Reef coming down the coming down the finishing shoot, or a, a Rini. I think it was one year. I'm just trying to remember. Yeah, um, 
you know, sports ephemeral, isn't it? You know, you're at the top for a certain length of time, some longer than others, but you you have to pass the baton. You have mm. to you have to move on and, and you hope that you play a part as those that did before you in, in kind of raising raising the bar. And maybe we'll talk about transition and retirement, but I knew that it was my time to leave the sport. So I was happy in that decision. It's not easy seeing your records <laughs> being broken. God damn it. Let's be honest. I like having that record. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope that I can keep it for a few few more years. Yeah. But it's there have, has to be other people that are crowned world champion and you hope that they are faster and and stronger than than you were because that's that's the nature of that's the nature of sport. Um Having said that, when Daniela, I, I can't remember what year it was, Steph, I, you, you were there at Challenge Roth and mm. she got, oh, within a gnat's hair of, of beating that record. And I was like, you know, <laughs> little prayer to the <laughs> iron distance gods that, oh no, just, oh, just listen, let me keep that little record, please, please. Um, I love it. She's, I mean, she's phenomenal, but then as was shown last year, everyone's beatable and mm. sport moves on like that. It, mm. And it has to, um, how do I feel when I'm kind of holding the, I remember holding the finish tape a couple of times for, for Daniela. Yeah. I mean, I, I have so much respect for her. Um, and it's, it's just emotional being at Hawaii. Yeah. It, it really is. Um, it doesn't get easier. I mean, not that I go back every year, but you know, I certainly think if I went back again, it, it wouldn't it, it wouldn't feel easier to, to to be there, even though many many years have have passed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's emotional because you recollect mm. all of those times that that you crossed that finish line and and how it felt and and what it meant to those around you um um but yeah life has to move on it does mm. um and you just have to remember all the wonderful things that you have <laughs> you have now as much yeah. as you know all the all the magic times that have passed well we're, we're both going to have to get back to Kona uh at the same time so our kids can hang out together yes <laughs> oh no but that that's the best way to experience it through the eyes of a a child that has no knowledge mm. of your previous life. I mean, Esme isn't aware of of what I used to do. Yeah, um, and Annie Steph so might tell us. To... I'll I'll, I'll yeah. fill her in. <laughs> <laughs> you um, spoil my secret, but it's, <laughs> she's she's not she's not aware. She's not watched videos of me racing. Um, she knows what a triathlon is, um, but just to, for her to experience the race and experience the island, more mm. importantly, um, yeah. is I don't know the best way of going back to Kona. As you know, maybe maybe yeah, seeing it in a totally different way. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I assume you're probably, although you didn't have it when you were on the island so much, but obviously when I've been there with Frankie the last two years, the first year didn't count because she was seven weeks old. Um, yeah. But the second year, 
her and Brett just spent the entire time in the pool and I would go out for hours and hours and hours and come back and she, yeah, she had no idea who I was chasing or what I was doing. No. She was just having fun in a pool with dad. Yeah. But so cool. And yeah, no, that, but that's how I'd want Esme to, I wouldn't want her yeah. standing on the sideline for nine hours. <laughs> on the beach looking at turtles yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely um but no it'd be, it'd be great to it'd be great to go back one year yeah um it's yeah i haven't been back for three years now so it would be it, it would be nice to go back all right we'll make it a date we'll hang out yeah yeah <laughs> do you remember when you were launching your um your second book and we were down at the expo and we we're getting up on stage and you asked me to do, to interview you on the stage. Yes. <laughs> and there's a guy that usually is the one that, that talks all day and full credit to him. He is on the microphone all day. Yeah. <laughs> he did not want to handball the microphone to me to let me talk to you. Did he? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's funny. But you were just like, that's when I saw how fierce you were. Yeah. You just walked up yes. and you're like, oh, no, 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 no. She's interviewing me. <laughs> no one else. No one else. I don't trust anyone to ask the right questions apart from her. <laughs> I walked up, I, I sort of went behind you. I'm like, yeah, I'm with her. What she said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Good times. <laughs> so funny. Um, I want to go back to something that you said Um. And it's so funny that you started talking about it. And it was definitely one of my questions about fitting in to, under Brett Sutton's tutelage where, and mm. correct, correct me if I'm wrong, there was Hillary, Belinda, um, mm. Bella maybe. Um, yeah. And essentially at that point in time, you, you were relatively unknown um, in probably quite a tight-knit group. That's being kind, like <laughs> totally unknown. Yeah. Honestly, totally unknown. So based on how geeky triathletes can get with their gear and stuff, what I want to know, what did you turn up to like the first training session in? Because I imagine they're in like full kit and they've got, you know, everything that you need under the sun, you know, probably everyone was in K-Swiss at that point in time. And I can imagine you just rocking up in a pair of togs or something and just, I don't know. Well, so they were training out in Thailand. So the first thing I had to do was to get myself from Phuket Airport to the accommodation, which was in the kind of middle of nowhere. And I think I landed, well, I landed when it was dark and I arrived at the accommodation at midnight. No one knew I was, well, everyone was in bed apart Mm. from Harry Wilshire who was sitting on his computer and then eating a bowl of cornflakes. Um, I just remember this so vividly. And I'm like, hi, I'm Chrissy. And he's like, yeah. Cool. <laughs> so. Good chat. Um, he said, I think you're, think you're sharing a room with Nicola. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Nicola who? Yep. Okay. And so, yeah, he, he was like, you're in that, that house the bedroom's up there okay so I'm like creeping in creeping into the bedroom and I she was asleep I found the bed went to sleep woke up in the morning and we had to be at the pool at 7 30 or something like that um and I just turned up in the midst of this almighty row between Nicola and Brett because (laughs) 
the shit had hit the fan. Can I swear? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, it had hit the it had hit the fan because he hadn't told her that I was coming. So she didn't know. So I I wake. She wakes up. I'm in the hi. Um, <laughs> and so she, so she lost it with with him and water bottles. Although the, the water bottle got launched, I turned up with a water bottle. You don't turn up with a water bottle at a swim session. Oh, under Brett. Um, <laughs> and so the, this water bottle got launched all the way over the head. Oh, you know, if you turn up with a water bottle, you can never do this. Oh my God. I was like, oh. What have I done? Um, in, yeah, honestly, honestly. Fair enough. Um, I, I thought it, yeah, I, I thought it was like a reaction to the fact that I'd brought some water onto the pool deck, but yep. there you have it. Um, and yeah, in terms of what kit I wore, Oh, I, I was just cobbling together anything yeah. that, you know, one pair of cycling shorts. Um, I actually, my friend knew someone that had a running shop here in the UK. So he'd given me a pair of trainers. Um, wow. So I had a pair of trainers. Um, and I realized at Ironman Korea, they were too small for me. But I had I had a pair of trainers. But you obviously, when you're in Thailand, you have what you turn up with, right? Sure. Because it's not like there's a a shed load of you know triathlon shops selling all the latest gear on on every street corner. <laughs> so, oh yeah, the saddle. I had a I had a bike um, that I brought with me. I think it was the Klein. I have the I had a Klein. But Brett, for some reason, didn't like the saddle. I don't know what was wrong with it. A bit like the water bottle. That got yep. launched. So Jeez. we went down. I don't, you've been to Thailand. You've been to Challenge uh, Phuket, right? No, I haven't. Um, oh, oh, So they have these amazing markets. You know, I love traveling. I love, you know, buying all the food from the markets and the, you know, chicken feet and oh, God. cockroaches and <laughs> vegetables. I love all of that stuff, right? But then they had this random store that sold bike parts. So Brett made me buy this saddle. Honestly, oh, there's a sofa behind me. Like, <laughs> there. I, I should have sit my hands on that. Because seriously, this, so he made me put this saddle on my bike. Honestly, no wonder it was a bloody laughing stock. Um, so I had this massive saddle on, on the client. Um, I didn't really have a lot of, a lot of kit, but I liked it that way, Steph. Yeah. I wasn't, I didn't know. I didn't know what I did and didn't have until I started looking at the other athletes and what I, what they had. But I didn't mind because I was com competitive with them. Like, yeah. so I, I knew that my kit wasn't something that was holding me back. Yep. Um, at that point anyway. Um, but I didn't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't know a lot about equipment. I didn't know a lot about etiquette. You know, I remember riding with Harry. We were on this group ride. I got, I actually got dropped. Um, Belinda, oh, she's strong. Nails, <laughs> off she went. Not so competitive I, I at Harry, all. Not competitive at all. No. Put, trying to prove a point to rookie newbie. Um, <laughs> you think you can sit on my wheel? Uh, uh, no, no, no. So anyway, so I'm with Harry, kind of, 
and probably you'd taken pity on me, but I, I have no clue about half wheeling. Oh, of course. So I'm like riding, like itching forward like this. Chrissy, do you know what half wheeling is? No, <laughs> it's what you're doing right now. And it's pissing me right off. <laughs> okay, that's, <laughs> I won't be Dad. doing that. <laughs> Wow. No water bottles, no half wheeling. Um, you know, look, at, I can laugh about it now. I, I, I hated every minute of those first few months. I, I really felt very um, ostracized. Right. Really. It, yeah. It, um, and I'm ordinarily relatively confident in company. I just withdrew into myself, became really, really introverted. Mm. And I just, but Brett kind of stirred that because yeah. it, it also made me angry because I was stuck the finger yeah. up and was like, I don't care. Right, I'll just yeah. swim, bike and run. I'll just do whatever it takes now. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's also why I was so desperate to please Brett because he made me feel like he was my only, mm. the only one that was looking out for me, the only mm. one that cared about me. Yeah. And he probably did that very cleverly. Um, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And <laughs> you think about the rationale for doing all those kind of things. But I definitely felt very very excluded um yeah. but whilst i don't accept it i also understand why that's the case it's a tough sport mm. you know and i turned up and didn't know much and was made be they made me sorry they kind of i was made to put, be put through my paces and that's Maybe that toughened me up a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it sounds changed. like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there were a few age groupers that joined us, actually, and that's when it, it got better because yeah, right. I wasn't a, a threat to them, maybe. Mm. Um, and so I, I definitely felt like a lot more accepted by them but yeah seems like a long time ago now still I bet 13 years 13 <laughs> you have to have a good memory to yeah 2007 yeah well, it's clearly burnt in your in your brain because it sounds quite vivid the memories yeah it's <laughs> like when I was writing my book um it was quite cathartic you know you have to mm. process you have to yeah process all of all of the memories and um obviously putting them down in writing yeah makes them real again and um but yeah it's it was part of my journey yeah it was yeah outside of triathlon because you've done some pretty incredible things with your life outside of triathlon have you ever felt that being ostracized like you did there or ever felt like you didn't yeah didn't belong in any other walk of your life well that's a really great question yeah i so 
when I was younger, 18 or 17, 17, I was at, at sixth form college um, doing my A-levels in the UK. And someone wrote, they called me Christine then. Um, Christine is a slag on the wall. Oh. And I hadn't done anything to deserve that because um, I didn't sleep around. I hadn't yeah. put anyone's nose out of joint. Well, obviously I had, but <laughs> in a way that I, I, I still to this day don't know. Um, don't know what I'd done. And I felt really excluded, really lonely. I mean, and I think it's it's made me quite sensitive. Mm. Like I think that that instance of bullying, you know, I I like a piss take as much as the next person, but I'm quite sensitive. If I if someone's really ripping into me, I don't I, I don't like it. And I think it's it goes back to the kind of 16, 17 year old me that yeah. that was bullied at, at school. Um and so yeah, I think that's probably the only example because other than that I've I've felt that I've found my my tribe in, in all of the other kind of areas of life. But I definitely think bullying when you're well, at any age, but when you're younger and your formative years, it it can have such a long, long lasting mm. impact. Yeah. Um and you can see it, you know, just at the primary school age and the children that our daughter, you know, mixes with slightly older children sometimes. And, you know, that the stories they tell of what other kids have said at school and your heart goes out to them because you know that those things can have a real profound, profound impact, can't they? Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, so sobering, sobering answer to your, to your question. But yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and impacts the way that I dealt with it because then I became a lot more introverted. Mm. Um, and again, at the start of my triathlon journey, that's how I, that's how I reacted. I just withdrew into myself because I felt like I didn't, didn't belong. It's so interesting. Um, for starters, I think people get the the terminology introvert versus extrovert quite wrong. People just assume that extroverts are just loud, you know, uh, love being around lots of people, mm. um, and then introverts, uh, you know, that quiet recluse person in the corner. Um, which part of that's true, obviously, but a big part of being an introvert is you you draw energy from from being alone. So, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but you you're obviously a very confident speaker you've done it a lot throughout throughout mm. your life on many different platforms um but do you still feel like you're that introvert where you you need that time away from uh media attention and i guess particularly when you were racing um professionally but do you feel like you always kind of revert back to that introvert person to draw that energy again I think there's a multiplicity in our characters, isn't there? In, mm. in all of us where, um, I definitely appreciate time alone. Um, 
I'm very social, but increasingly I prefer smaller social mm. groups. So if I was to go out for dinner, there's I'd much prefer to go out with a group of, you know, three or four friends and have a nice intimate dinner than a, go to a huge party where there's loads of loads of people. Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely need that time on my own, which is partly why for me kind of exercise slash training now is is so important because it's it's that time where I'm alone so um I definitely I definitely need that um but I also need that human contact and now more than ever I realize how much I need that that physical contact I'm quite a tactile person yeah you know that not having that I found quite you know quite challenging as as many people yeah many people have but yeah yeah Yeah. I'd say I I was you know maybe maybe a bit of bit of both Mm. hi my name is Chantelle and I'm a Wits Up patron member because of the awesome content and insight into the athletes and the sport of triathlon but ultimately it's supporting women in sport which is a real passion of mine You should sign up too and support the amazing work the Wits Up team does. Click on the link in the show notes. As a mum, and I want to touch on the bullying thing again, Um, and I know this is a bit bit random, a bit of a tangent, but if if there's any bullying, what kind of approach are you going to take with her? What kind of advice? I'm going to make notes just in case so I'm ready oh when now, Frankie goes yeah. to school it's hard yeah it's it is really hard um and it it's something Tom and I have have talked about um and there was even a period where Esme was saying you know oh ex so and so pushed me mm. and I said oh, oh did they um I said, oh, well, I might have to, you know, speak to speak to someone about, oh, no, 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 they they didn't push me. No, no, they mm. didn't. And it turns out this kid didn't push her at all. And oh. she, she she said that. Yeah. She said, oh, um, but that's her way of testing to see what we would do. And she's trying to navigate um, the concept of bullying because we have a, a book it's Top, Topsy and Tim it's a little um uh you know children's book and one of the books is about bullying so yeah. we'd read that to her and the teacher had explained to the class what bullying is and then an older kid had said to Esme well some kids get bullied at school and so Esme in her head from from a few different sources had heard about the concept of bullying so I think she was just trying to navigate it and work out if if someone bumps into me, are they bullying me? You yeah, know, right. if they tell me they don't want to play with me, is that bullying? And she'd ask me all these questions. So she's trying to yeah. navigate it. Um, so already at age, you know, four, <laughs> we're, we're starting to at least explore the concept. Um, it's, it's incredibly difficult. I think you've got to bring in... Um, you've got to bring teachers into it depending on the severity of, of the Mm. situation. You need to speak to the child's parents. 
if that if that becomes necessary but you have to instill confidence in in your children to be who they want to be um and to have you know to know that your love and support for them is absolutely unconditional um but also i think to that point it's What's really important to Tom and I is that Esme knows that she can speak to us about anything. So there mm. are no kind of inconvenient subjects. Yeah. So, you know, it's very easy if your child is is crying, for example, or saying something that is not convenient for you to say, don't cry, or it's not that bad, or don't say that. But then when they do, when you do need them to say something, they mm. won't mm. because they fear that it's not a acceptable emotion or acceptable, you know, thing to say. So all that we want is for Esme to know that she can come to us with any feeling mm. um, and that we have her back. Yeah. But Steph, I mean, I don't need to tell you this, but parenting verb is the hardest thing I've done yeah I mean she's my biggest teacher um yeah but it's it's the hardest thing I've done and I I learned so much about how to be a parent from from her and I think we have I went into it with this concept of it being quite a top-down thing I'm the parent she's the child and this is how it is and this is how it's going to happen. And to some extent, yeah, you set boundaries, you set rules, but it's, it's much more of a two way relationship than I kind of ever gave it credit, you know, and it, it takes time. Like being good at it takes, (laughs) and I've only got one. (laughs) I should say we've, you know, I, we've, you know, we've only got one and, and, um, I'm, I'm, I can't even imagine having multiples, but yeah, I mean, it's challenging and rewarding in, in, in equal equal measure. But no matter yeah. what your age your child is, they're going to throw things at you that we need to be able <laughs> yep. able to deal with. Um, but controlling my emotions when it comes to <laughs> parenting is one of my biggest, <laughs> one of I my hear biggest challenges. I hear yeah. you. I couldn't. I couldn't yeah. agree more. It's. Um, it's not just about them teaching us and, and us teaching them. It's about meeting in that middle and work, working as a team as well. Um, I constantly forget that it's not just me trying to figure out how to be a parent. She's figuring out life. Like every day is a new experience. How old is she now? She's just gone two. Two. Yeah. Terrible best. twos or okay at the moment? I- I mean, you hear about that and the tantrums and everything, and she definitely has little tanties, but nothing like I've seen. Yeah. Other, I think we kind of hit the chilled out jackpot, which 100% comes from her dad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but the tantrums thing, like it's, you never want to be the parent whose child's kind of thrashing around on the floor because you didn't peel the banana right, which yeah. is what happened to us. <laughs> But it's so important though, isn't it? Because the temptation is to be like, no, 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 this is not acceptable. It's not acceptable. It is perfectly acceptable. Mm -hmm. This is is important for kids to do. I I freaking wish I could be on that floor (laughs) screaming. 
screaming and shouting and thrashing my legs around. Um, but it, really is. In all seriousness, it's really important, isn't it? So yeah. they call them the terrible twos, but those tantrums, they're, yeah, they're, they're challenging, but they're, they're important. Yeah. I, yeah, it's their way Less of learning. So when Tom's kind of having them, but <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he stopped. He's grown out of that. <laughs> who who does she take after the most, or can you see a real blend between of you both? Um, unfortunately for her, she has my hair. Um, <laughs> I'm really curly, wild. Um, she's incredibly stubborn and competitive. Um, All Tom. Both of us are competitive, obviously. <laughs> um, I think I'm slightly more stubborn. Um, <laughs> she's um, she's very, very active, as I've you seen probably that. expect. We encourage that. But she's also, she also loves reading. Um, so she's quite cerebral when she reads. She really, I mean, she's not physically reading, um, you know, more than a few words at the moment, but loves us, loves being read, loves being read to and always has done. That's something we, ever since day one, we've read to her every single morning, well, all day when she was younger, but every, yeah. still, we still do every single morning we read um, and obviously at bedtime as well. Um, but I think, I mean, she's a combination of, of both, but she's definitely got my feisty temperament. I mean, those that know Tom know that he's incredibly um, calm, methodical, meticulous. He's Breddy. Breddy and Tom are the same person. Me. Not me. Um, so she is like, but then she's a child. Children are chaotic. They move from one thing to another and everything's going everywhere. And, um, um I like to think as she gets older, maybe she inherits his, his temperament, but it's, yeah, <laughs> the feisty, fierce. Fierce. Yeah. <laughs> That's my girl. Um, it's in the blood for sure. Is, yeah, yeah, <laughs> is, is coming through. Oh, goodness. Mm. Um, you've got, uh, you're obviously quite close with your parents. Um, yeah, <laughs> they're here. They're here at the moment. So I was... They've been banished to the front room. Yeah. <laughs> Very, very important interview. Very, the most important interview important. ever. Yes, very important. But I was thinking about it before we uh, jumped on um, and just the world that we live in right now with pan pandemics and lockdowns. And unfortunately, you guys are going to go into lockdown again late, later this week. And Thursday, yeah. Uh, we, I'm sorry. I, I don't even know what else to say. I'm just, I'm sorry. It's shit. But I hope that having your parents there and... I hope you guys are prepared as much as you can be. And you know, I'm only a text message away. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's tumultuous for everyone. Um, yeah. And obviously we're the fortunate ones. We have a house and a job yeah. and our health and, you know, open space mm -hmm. inside and, and um, out. And that makes navigating the restrictions so much easier but it's just not the same for millions and millions of people yeah. so those are the those are the people that are going to be disproportionately impacted by mm. all of this not our family um emotionally maybe yes but 
it's it's easier to endure it when you've got all of the other things you know mm. house you know roof over your head and all that um but yeah so my my parents because they they announced it what was it yesterday the day before that the lockdown was going to begin on thursday my parents were due to come up they live about four and a half hours away and which is not far in australian standards but quite the other end of the uk um so they were going to come down in a couple of weeks but obviously they were like, right, well, come down, come down, come down. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're here for a couple of days. Yeah. It was so one of the things, you know, when you listen to podcasts or just random interviews, and one of the questions comes up, um, you know, who, who would you like to be stranded on a desert island with? And it, like, I, I just kind of laughed about it this morning because I'm like, well, with lockdown <laughs> and stuff, I wonder if people would answer that question very differently after lockdown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd still say David Attenborough. He's still oh. my number one. Yeah, He's David Amber amazing. and Jane Goodall. Um, oh, um, amazing! Yeah. That would be that would be my answer. But yeah, it's you'd want to be on a desert island, but with lots of animals, like a pretty pretty exotic one, right? With those two. Yeah, coconuts. You can do a lot with coconuts. Can't you? <laughs> I'd, I'd like coconuts. And a pair of goggles. You need goggles. You can't even go fishing really properly without goggles. So <laughs> I I need goggles. Goggles and coconuts. You can do a lot with that. <laughs> and then get get David Attenborough to uh, comment commentate. Yeah, no, he'd have to be there too. But he's yeah, he's getting old now, isn't he? He's in like ninety-five <laughs> or something. He's still going. He's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he's really amazing. amazing. But did you have a question about my parents being close to them? No, no, it was because no. I no. I assumed um, that they were actually going to be there during lockdown. So I, that's where I was going with that whole. Oh, oh. no, no, I do love them very much. <laughs> <laughs> they might extend it. Then you'd be like, <laughs> oh, but, yeah, because I was yeah. like, I don't think I could cope living with my parents in lockdown. and I can say it's because they can't oh. hear me um but yeah I, there's no way I could do it uh so yeah that's where I was alluding to <laughs> you pretty much oh, no, no. I love them I love them dearly yeah. um one of the greatest <laughs> gifts to come out just mentioning the t word come out of my triathlon career has been my relationship with my oh. family it's just I don't know that's just the amazing thing about triathlon, right? Mm. It just brings people together. Yeah. And just that's what I miss. Mm. That ability to convene people. I mean, not, not, not sounds really narcissistic, but around something that I'm doing, but the, that ability to convene people, bring people together from all over the world mm-hmm. at Roth or, you know, in Hawaii and for them to create memories out of that. Yeah. That was special. Yeah. Really, really special. And Steph, just thinking back to when I retired, that is what I found so hard Mm. because I, I knew how much it meant to other people as well. And I felt like I was depriving all of my family of this reason for celebration. I think I don't know. That that's strange. interesting. No, it doesn't. It's. I think that's a really interesting take. Um, choosing to retire, but thinking about 
the outer circle or even the inner circle and I don't I don't think I needed it for me anymore right. well, I didn't need it for me yeah because I'd answered the questions that I'd asked of myself so I felt liberated I knew that I'd had that race that one race that I'd been seeking yeah and I felt I felt very liberated by that race um very powered but but yeah I think it was just really freeing to have had the race that defines mm. you as a champion in my mind yeah so I, I didn't need it for me athletically yeah. anymore but I I needed I don't know all of the other amazing benefits that being in that position mm. brought um yeah that's why it was so hard mm. i think moving on yeah and then thinking what that what where will you get that kind of fulfillment from that point of view afterwards yeah. i think retirement in yeah. sport is one of the trickiest things to to navigate clearly yeah i don't think anything quite prepares you i think you can be better prepared i think more sure. resources need to be invested in better preparing athletes and, and they are you know a lot has changed over the past kind of 10 years the mental health side of mm -hmm. that transition has received a lot of attention um and quite rightly so i think resources are being invested in it but no matter how well prepared you might be it's still a struggle some for some people financially and and for most people emotionally and and, and physically to some extent you know mm. um so yeah it's 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 a challenging you transition you, you question who you are mm. you know who am i apart from this what, what is my purpose what can i give to the world if i'm not mm. you know four-time world world champion you know how am i going to make a living yeah um and um you know what's my what's my value all of those all of those things yeah because yeah even the silly little things like i remember flying to hawaii the next year and not knowing what to write you know you write the visa on the form the immigration form yeah. as you're flying in and you have to write profession and i was like oh what a right <laughs> wow yeah and and i was just like oh gosh you know who am i what do i do because we're, we're defined right by our professions mm. and you know in this day and age the first question you ask someone at a party oh, what do you do and mm. i was like oh well what what do i do yeah. um but that's why you need to do it, right? Because yeah. the easiest thing is to do is to continue as a professional athlete. Because mm. then you don't have to ask yourself any of those horrible questions that you yeah. don't know the answers to. So you don't have to step into the unknown. You yeah. just do what you've always done. And and but I I I knew I needed Yeah. To jump ship. Yeah. <laughs> um Obviously, I could sit here and talk to you for forever, but we've got about 10 minutes up our sleeve and we've got people <laughs> starting to ask questions. And I didn't touch on half of what I wanted to, but that was always going to be the case 
chatting to you. So let's talk for five. Can we talk for five more minutes? Sure. Ask a few more questions. Well, I'm going to ask questions from people who are watching. So let's throw these up oh, on the screen. Okay. Yep. Oh yeah. Okay. And we'll just see if we can fire through a few of them. Um, mm. Anne said she's interested to learn mm. more about your work with Park Run. How has mm. COVID affected things? And do you have any in-person runs lined up? Obviously not in the next four weeks. Hi, Anne. Thank you for the question. Um, so for those that don't know, I'm Global Head of Health and Wellbeing for Park Run. So we deliver over 2,000 free weekly 5K events in 22 countries around the world. So ordinarily, um, there's about 300,000 people do them every single Saturday. And then I came on board to establish the junior park runs, which are 2K events for 4 to 14 year olds in the UK, Ireland and Australia. So we took the decision to suspend all the events in March um, across the world. So all the 2000 plus events stopped. That's still the case, aside from New Zealand, Falkland Islands, Isle of Man, Jersey Guernsey, um, Northern Territory, Tasmania, and I think I've just been on leave for a week. I think Western <laughs> Australia was due to, to start again. So the Australian events are starting, starting to reopen. So that's the situation um, with, with Park Run. And we established a an initiative called Not Park Run to encourage people to do, to record a, a 5K run, yeah. any course, any place, any speed um, of their of their choosing. Because it's, you know, people like you and I, Steph, it's easy for us to, mm. to exercise, you know, it, it's a habit, it's an, an ingrained habit, right? And all being well, we, we exercise re regularly. But for many, many people, they need that hook. They need that mm. kind of communal, social environment to be to be active. Um, and especially those that are just getting into activity and it's not a habit um, and it's not embedded within their lifestyle. It's so easy to slip back into an activity. And especially here, we're going into winter. Mm. That's a... a a really important concern um, and one in this country that needs to be addressed because they lock people down, um, but they also limit people's opportunities to be active. So I'm kind of agitating and advocating a bit more than I have done over the past few years, um, <laughs> just, to, just to make sure that we don't lose those opportunities for good. Because once some, once some of these initiatives or organizations go under, they don't come back. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Great question. I'll quickly fire off one more. Um, how different, this is from Joe Coombe. Um, I'm sure you've had plenty of selfies with Joe Coombe in your time. Yes. Uh, how different was Dave Scott as a coach compared to Brett? Ooh, good question. <laughs> um, they couldn't have been more different. Um, <laughs> and it. I think it, at the macro level shows that as you evolve as an athlete, your needs from a coach change. Um, so maybe that transition from one to the other reflects a change in me as, as an athlete. Mm. Brett is a very dogmatic, authoritarian, 
personality um and perhaps i needed that at the start i needed someone to give me an order and for me to follow it mm-hmm. however it wasn't very empowering in a it, it just wasn't yeah it just wasn't empowering mm. um and i needed something more i needed a reciprocal relationship and almost a a, fr- a friendship right and i found that in in dave so dave dave was actually very clever um in that he didn't try to change too much of my program he did it very subtly so there were a lot of subtle tweaks to to yeah. brett's program because i was quite wedded to that program yeah um due to the way in which brett had brainwashed me um and so I resisted change initially. So Dave was really clever, but it was it was quite a reciprocal relationship. Um, it was based on a consider- considerable amount of respect and, and friendship. And um, Dave, without Dave, I would never have been on that start line of the World Championships in 2011. Wow not because of what he said, almost because of what he didn't say, because he never once told me that he thought I shouldn't race and he thought I shouldn't race. Um, But he never once told me that I I shouldn't race. And he was, he was the one that just made me focus a lot more on the process and let go of an outcome and just really just focus on executing the best race I could every single minute. Um, I I benefited from being coached by both yeah. Brett and Dave, but I know which one I enjoyed <laughs> more. Which one? <laughs> and I think... Uh, I think which relationship was ultimately more healthy um and um i think brett and i i'm sorry dave and i remain friends to this day um and that's a testament Mm. to um oh (laughs) ah perfect timing perfect I was saying to Steph before we started recording, Charlie has a habit of bringing um, mice to us as gifts. Some of them um, are alive and kicking. Others are in a state of slight disrepair. (laughs) So fortunately, you've just got the cat and not kind of other fauna. (laughs) Is it Charlie? Because he looks like Charlie Chaplin. Well, Charlie is a girl. Oh, Um, she? Yep. But she was named by the, the, we got her from a cat sanctuary and she okay. was named there. So, um, yeah, she's the latest addition. I love it. Uh, Tom didn't want a cat. No. He loves a cat. Totally. Yeah. Did, they all do it. Brett was the same. He was yeah. a bit funny about Henry. I already had Henry the dog. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He, now they're madly in love with each other. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chrissy, I'm so aware that your time uh, is extremely important. And I think this is the first time in the history of me doing a podcast that I've stuck to the time. Uh, that's bang, bang on an hour. Honestly, if, if you've got any more questions, just 
Go on. No, no, no. no. We, we, I'm just going to tee up another podcast with you at some stage. Another got, one. Yeah, yeah. We got so much more to talk about and catch up on. Um, but yeah. I just want to let you know that so many people have been sending so many lovely comments. Um, and towards the end, a lot of the questions and comments were about Park Run and just how fantastic it is. So congrats on all that you're doing with that as well. Um Thank you. It means it means a lot. You know, it's something I'm really, really passionate about. Just moving, maybe moving away slightly from the elite side of things, mm. and just getting less active people moving is what really, I don't know, drives drives me and, and motivates me. Yeah, motivates me now. But thank you so much. It's been a, a challenging year for everyone, mm. and I think we just got to be kind to ourselves. It's you know turned all of our worlds upside down and i think yeah just appreciating what we have um focusing on what we have being kind to ourselves is is all we can do um definitely um but thank you thanks for the opportunity sir thank you it's great to chat it is next time in hawaii we'll be sipping kind of yeah my ties my ties and the the guys can have the kids in the pool and we'll yeah no totally yeah (laughs) um also i do need to just let everyone know um i I, will i would like to let everyone know that um chrissy obviously um i've been a fan of yours as a you know as someone just super fan fangirling kind of person but we've become good mates and chrissy has checked in on me quite a few times throughout throughout the covid pandemic situation but also um when i had frankie and was pregnant you so you checked in on me quite a lot so I can't thank you enough for your friendship um still a big fan uh but friend first thank you it's been like I said the gifts of like friendships and relationships Mm. that you know we have from from the sport are are what makes it really really special yeah absolutely Chrissy have a good evening good luck during uh (laughs) lockdown I'm sure I'll be chatting to you at some stage Yeah, take care. Loads of love. Thanks for tuning in. Hit subscribe, give us a rating, leave a comment. And don't forget, if you're not already a Wits Up Patreon member, sign up in the link in the description. But above all else, keep yourselves knee deep in awesomeness. (laughs) Woo!